Asker International School opened its doors in 2013 with just 35 students. Today, we have almost 400. We're still a small school, but with a big voice. This is our podcast, Uplift Ed. A podcast created by Asker International School for anyone passionate about pedagogy. Today I'm talking a little bit about teacher wellbeing. I think a lot of talk has been on how the students are dealing with this transition. But at the same time as educators, we too have a responsibility to ourselves to make sure that we're coping with the period uh, period of transition. And in particular, how we're also modelling strategies or modelling approaches we expect of our students. And in that, it's the idea that as educators, we're going to have come across barriers to providing the home learning to the standard we want it to be, to providing the support we want for the students, and therefore what solutions we have come up with. Now I'll be talking a little bit about two of the main barriers that I've faced during this period of seven weeks, and I also have Yvonne on the show and Brent to talk about how they've dealt with their own circumstances and what solutions they've come up with, because we don't know whether this situation will come back on us in the near future. We don't know whether we're going to be faced with a completely different scenario. Uh, so what we really need to think about is not necessarily always about the technology and how we've upskilled to make sure that remote home learning takes place, but that we're also considering our own metacognition skills, our learning to learn skills, or according to the IB, our approaches to learning, and thinking about how we're dealing with our own situations as educators and coming up with strategies and solutions to overcome that, that to make sure that we have uh, a growth mindset in a sense, not a fixed mindset where we expect things and processes and uh, schedules to continue as they were, but instead that we're looking at other possibilities for this, for how to work in different scenarios. And I think this is what part of being an educator is about. It's not just about telling others what to do, but it's also walking the walk and talking the talk. And If we're going to ask children to think about how they're managing themselves at home and how they're managing themselves in different situations during this time and in the future, as young people going into the world of higher education and the world of work, we hope that they're taking with them potentially transferable skills. Now, I know there's a lot of debate about kind of domain-specific skills and transferable skills, but for me, it's about thinking positively about the scenarios we're faced with and how we can change or evolve the particular situation or the context to benefit ourselves rather than looking at the negatives. And I think very much this is what the home learning scenario for teachers has presented us with. It's presented with a situation where we're still faced with an industrial model of education in terms of the timetable setting being in at you know, half past eight, finishing at four o'clock, how we operate in blocks of 45 minutes or one hour or longer, depending on what school you're in. And moving from that very uh, rigid regime, if you want to call it, within a school setting to moving to completely something that's completely different. And how, as educators, we're able to manage that migration and flourish. And I think that's what we're looking for. The mindset has never been, I don't think, that we just you know, need to get through this. I think it's how we're given a context and how we improve and, I think, appreciate the situation we're in. So it becomes a positive despite the negativity around the situation such as the pandemic. And personally, I finally have quite enjoyed 
uh, the situation where I'm working at home with all with my, my my own children and they're learning, and also I'm doing my if you want to call it my leadership and managerial parts at the same time during the day. Also appreciating the benefits of being in the home, but with that came a, num- a number of hurdles that had to be jumped over to make sure that by week seven, I was starting to have a smile on my face when I woke up in the morning because week one, it was very much but that. It was, uh, week one was felt like hell on earth. So this episode is, we'll have a lot of me talking about my experience and the hurdles I faced and two of my colleagues and the hurdles they faced and how we overcame these barriers in this time to ensure that our working environment and our well-being was being maintained and was positive. So without further ado, I'm going to hand over to Mr Brent. The main challenge I've faced as a teacher working from home is balancing life as a parent and a teacher. I have three very energetic boys, age three, five and seven, plus a pregnant wife with another boy on the way. My wife is experiencing lots of spontaneous nauseousness and also has work of her own to complete. This means I need to complete a lot of my teaching in spurts and often results in still working a lot later in the day. There's no sign-off time, so to speak. The main solution I've had to overcome these challenges is having clear communications uh, with the wife and making sure that we're working as a team um, and communicate about when and what we need to do and helping the other out by being actively present with our kids during those times. Um, Another great solution was the purchasing of a big trampoline uh, to harness some of the energy of our boys and to encourage them for some more um, active outside time. The second challenge is that as teachers, we want to give our students the best guidance possible to succeed in tasks. Written instructions can be great, and online Zoom lessons provide a great platform for explaining tasks further. But even with these Zoom sessions and with and the written instruction, questions arise, and it isn't easy to remember all of the explanations. A great solution uh, for this for me has been using the digital tool Screencast-O-Matic where I'm able to record lessons and explain uh, tasks with a visual, which the students can access multiple times and work through at their own pace. I believe this has been a great uh, supporting tool for students and has removed a lot of their questions. Thanks, Brent. Now, I'm not averse to technology, quite pro-technology. I wouldn't say I'm an early adopter, but it's something I've always thought was really important to make sure we're keeping with the direction that technology has taken us in society. But that wasn't the issue. It's not about taking on new apps or learning something new. I think the biggest challenge was uh, the concept of the self and listening to one's own voice when uh, doing lessons through screencast or some other particular method and seeing oneself on camera. And I know that sounds kind of absurd to think, considering on a daily basis we stand in front of 20 kids, 40 kids and... When delivering assemblies, I'm in front of uh, 300 plus children, and at no point do you know is is the kind of concern about you know the appearance or the sound. It just seems perfectly natural, but this was very different to this idea of you know. I suppose it goes back to we have pictures taken and we talk about oh I get my best side or oh I don't like the look of that oh no look at my teeth in that smile, and we have all of these insecurities which 
generally I don't think come out in the classroom because you're just focusing on what the kids need to do and that takes precedence. But this reflection when you're creating these videos for home learning or going on to Zoom or the video conferencing, it does raise, for me in particular, questions which I, I didn't anticipate. You know, I really, honestly speaking, don't like to hear my northern drawl, yet I do a podcast. Uh, and that, that was the challenge. It's having to listen to yourself over again or see yourself from a particular angle. And maybe some people out there, and I'm sure there are, you know, reality TV is so big, you see the kids on TikTok. Maybe it's a generation thing. But this this hurdle, I mean, I don't. it was a hurdle, but to be honest, the simple way to get around it is I don't particularly like uh, the idea of being a hypocrite. And I know from a, from an IP perspective, we have uh, the learner profiles, and one of them is pretty much risk taking. And so it's it's seeing those moments where you are uncomfortable, and that you don't particularly like it. Recognizing, hang on, this is a barrier for me. It's not the technology. It's not the workload. It's not the so called invasion of privacy. Uh, it's the fact that I need to listen to my own voice and see my own my own face and images on, on camera and the insecurities that, that came with that. And so after a while, I suppose things, how that how I got over that was, all right, I've got to take a risk here. I can't expect the teams I work with to do that and not do it myself. Uh, what would I expect of my own children? And those thought processes really helped to step forward, of course. And then, and then at the same time, during the home learning the day, taking the videos, uh, while teaching and posting them for the kids to, to look at the, the learning segments. And then the Zoom or the Hangout sessions where, you know, you've got 20 kids staring at you, <laughs> you know, in a particular part, um, well, in my home office. And that part, I've not heard people generally talk about, whether it's on Twitter sphere with the educa- educators who talk 24-7 on there, whether it's on YouTube, whether it's on Facebook, uh, whether it's on other podcasts, whether it's on uh, education channels. The talk has been about the apprehension with technology. And I think uh, I think sometimes that's looking in the wrong direction. And I think a lot of apprehensions and hang-ups come from potentially maybe it's a Generation X uh, and not a Generation Z thing. Uh, but for me in particular, that was the hurdle, that was the challenge. And it, it sounds quite simple to overcome, but there was that those moments where you're going, oh, do I really sound like that? <laughs> do I really look like that? <laughs> What's the, uh, 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 and those moments brought me back, so I suppose, to, uh, to teacher training when, you know, you did video yourself much more and someone did observe you and someone would say, you know, do you realise you did okay 57 times in the space of, you know, a five-minute monologue? And then you suddenly think about those moments and you go back and after, after 20 years in education, you got quite comfortable and, and ease into different scenarios in the school setting. And so for me, it was that that reflection of both my voice and my appearance of, and and going, oh, really? <laughs> and then I suppose in, in some therapeutic way, it's, it's learning to accept that. And like anything, something's not the norm, you're not used to doing those things. After a while, you know, I'm not too bothered about hearing my voice anymore. I'm not too bothered about the way I look on, on camera too much. You kind of come to come to accept it and, in a sense, being quite liberating to the point that, you know, as I say this, this is a recording for, for a podcast. So the positives came out of trying to find a way over that, uh, that challenge, that barrier, but I won't deny it's something which 
caught me by uh, surprise. Speaking of surprises, it's great to welcome Miss Yvonne onto the show. Hi, Yvonne. Hi, Mark. So, from what I understand, you have a similar situation to Mr Brent where the family scenario was uh, a challenge. Yes, it's been quite difficult having uh, both of my children at home whilst trying to plan and plan, de deliver my lessons as well for my grade 8, 9 and 10 students. So, that's been yeah quite difficult over the last six weeks. And how then, therefore, did you overcome that challenge? What, what strategies did you put in place? So one thing that worked for us quite well was having a schedule that we all created together. And we agreed when I was working and when these children were playing together and when they were doing their own learning tasks. And then we'll have a break together when they had to go outside. So it was very, very much planned. So it was very organized then? Yes, that, that we needed that. And the kids actually, after a week or two, they started um, getting used to it and it worked really well. And did you put the plan to the children the night before or was it done in the morning? How did how did you give the information to them? Uh, we tend to do it in the morning. We just sit down together having breakfast and we would go through the schedule for the day. And did you have a whiteboard or a piece paper, of paper? Just an old-fashioned piece of paper and just like any scrap paper that we had at home and then we just wrote it there. And at what point, I mean, this is, this is now week uh, seven for us, so at what point did you, did you see the change of this kind of strategy working or when did you implement it? I think it def we started from day one because we needed that kind of like uh, routine and especially me being at home teaching, I needed to know that the kids were entertained when I was teaching my own lessons, even though they're still interrupted. But the first, I would say it took about two weeks for the routine to settle down and then the children just to go by themselves. And so are you looking forward to being back in school? Absolutely. <laughs> Thanks, Yvonne. No worries. So for this part, I'm actually, you can hear me, I'm slightly out of breath uh, as I'm walking through the forest around Vardossen, walking and running. This is one of my ways in which I separate the day. So I came out of a parental council meeting uh, with updates and chatting about kind of steps for moving forward. And then from there, at half past four, or half Empanosk, I jump on the bike, cycle to the edge of the forest, put on a podcast, and uh, start running and walking at the same time. And it's something I've never done before. I've always just ran half marathons, played football my entire life. And the peace and tranquility of just slowing down at some points, and every third kilometre having a walk, it's allowed me to discover and see my area in a completely new light. So I'm probably get, getting lost as we speak right now. But what this does really for me is it allows me to switch off for when I go back into the home and try and, you know, see my house not as a workplace as it has been from, well, this morning was half past four when I got up. <laughs> and not see it as a workplace, but to a place of uh, rest when I, when I come in. That's how... Uh, I try and overcome this idea of demarcation, separating the uh, home from the workplace and a place where we need to relax and be with our families and be human in many respects. And it's really, it's really helped a lot with dealing with what is a kind of really anxious situation. And right now, if only I could describe to you what I'm seeing, but I'm just coming to a ridge right now. And the sun's shining, I can hear the birds in the background. <laughs> and I've got, I think it's Vardossen right in front of me, uh, looking up at it. 
and it's fantastic it's absolutely amazing uh, i'm going to turn around now because it's been four kilometers and start walking uh, back to my bike and running back but i really i recommend it i know that in some countries you don't have the opportunity to get out so much and you might not have the wilderness behind you and for me this has been great it's a slowing down of the world and yeah can't say much more about that i suppose what's as i continue on this what's amazing is i'm walking past snow right now so i love this country Uplift Ed is an Asker International School production, a small school with a big voice. Thank you for listening.